can begin by word of prayer. Father, we thank you for ushering us into your presence once again. We pray that you lead us and help us as we get into your word. Give us a revelation, give us understanding, open our eyes, open our ears in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Okay. Okay, so I can't see anything yet, but I think my network is slow or something. Maybe it's an Instagram thing. But if it's if something if something pops up on my screen, I'll read it. So far, I can't see anything. Okay, right. So we're going to start from Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. And we're just going to read first, and then we're going to see what we can get from there. Okay. Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. Guys, you can just comment. If you want to answer the question that I asked, you can just type something. If it pops up on my screen, then I'll read it. Because so far, I can't see anything. Someone is saying there's something, but I, I can't see anything, unfortunately. Okay. So Matthew chapter 11, verse 1 to 3, it reads, Now it came to pass when Jesus finished commanding his 12 disciples that he departed from there to teach and to preach in their cities. And when John heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, are you the coming one or should we look for another one? This is a very fascinating scripture. Okay, there's a comment. Uh, and he said how John was so clear about his mission and his disciples wanted to draw him to compete with Jesus and he openly declined. I love that. That's very true. We dealt with that. You can just say as we go, guys. I'll just read the comments as we go. It's not an issue. Okay. So now we're at a place where John, John actually got arrested. But if you scroll back in the book of Matthew, I think it's in the book of Matthew 14, or just a few chapters prior, we find that's exactly when he was arrested. Now we are at a part where he's already in jail. And he's now hearing about the works and the things that Jesus is doing. And he sends two of his disciples over to Jesus to ask him, are, are you exactly the one who, who we were waiting for? Or is there someone else? Which is very fascinating because it's like we're meeting him at a very low point in his life. Because essentially, if there's anything at all that we took from the life of John the Baptist, it's the fact that he knew his purpose. He knew who Jesus was. And he was constantly and always, you know, confirming the identity of Jesus. But now we meet him at a very interesting place where he sends his own disciples to go and ask Jesus, are you the Messiah? Are you the one? Or should we expect someone else? Which is very interesting because this man spent a really great part of his life telling other people that this was the Messiah. But now he was in a place where he himself was not sure about that, right? So we find we're going to deal with why he was arrested and, you know, the politics behind that a little later. But now let's just focus on him being in jail and sending people to Jesus. And I feel like you can look at it from a different perspective, right? A person can look at it from a perspective that John the Baptist is, is in jail and he's in a place where he's sort of trying to make, make things out and sort of make sense of things. So he could be in a, in a place of confusion. He could be in a place of being distraught. But what I love is this is not something that is absolutely like random and unique. This is something that happens even to the best of us. This is something that happens to me and you. So many times we get into situations where you even get to a place where you feel like you can question God and you can, you can you, sort of like situations that bring you to a place that question a lot of the things that you've believed about God. 
maybe you've read the word and you you know you you were hyped you went to church there's a service you attended where it was talking about how god is a provider how god is this and then now you end up in a situation where you're trying to make sense of that or where you're in a situation that is not aligning with the things that you've heard about god or where you're in a situation that's not aligning with the things that you know about god and that lives in a very interesting place so the place where we're seeing john the baptist it's not even something new it's not something new. It happens to you and I in day-to-day life. We find ourselves we find ourselves in questioning certain things about God. We're questioning certain things. Why? Because what we know about God, it's not aligning with what we're seeing in our lives. Okay, there's a comment. To those that are just joining us, I ask the people to share uh, something that they've learned or taken from the study of John the Baptist that we're doing. So... People are just throwing in comments, so I'll just read as it comes. Okay, first says, how two of John's disciples were able to move to a higher calling of being Jesus' disciples, the rest remained. Yes, two people caught the revelation, but the rest remained. So I'm going to read what I, re- what I wrote about Matthew 11 here, right? John gets arrested, and we are all made aware of the reason in Matthew 14, verse 3 to 12, to those that want to read, right? But we meet John at a very low point in his life, a time where he was trying to make sense of things. And this is very familiar to us because us too, we faced and we go through low points. Points that make us even doubt God and doubt the things we know are true about God, right? So it's common. And this brings me back to the book, uh, to the verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, which basically says, no temptation that has befallen you is uncommon to men. Because you could be reading this and thinking, ah, you know, John the Baptist was doubting the Christ, the man he spent a greater part of his life validating the man he spent a greater part of his life pointing people to. Now he's in a place where he's doubting the same man, right? And it brings me back to that verse in Corinthians that's what that, that speaks about how no temptation that has befallen you is uncommon. Basically, the Bible is saying whatever temptation, whatever thing that you battle with or that you wrestle with, it's not uncommon. Someone else has been through it. They, it's basically saying there are new, no new temptations. The temptation factory is closed. Why? Because every single thing you battle with and every single thing that you try to make sense of every single challenge, every single aspect of life, right? It's not new. Someone else has been through that and someone else has fought it and someone else has fought through it. Let's just go and read the verse, okay? 1 Corinthians 10, 13 is saying, No temptation has befallen you except that which is common to mankind. He's saying every single temptation you see, it has befallen someone. It may not be someone, you know, but it has befallen someone. So even now we were seeing John the Baptist and he's in a place where he's questioning Christ. It's actually applying to us as well because it's not a new temptation. He faced it then and we face it even today where we get into situations that are so hard that they make us question sometimes the goodness of God. That that Sometimes they make us question the things that we know very well are true about God. Sometimes situations can get you to that point, right? And it doesn't matter what sort of low point you have. You have to always understand. I feel like there's a comfort you can take from that. Like when you're journeying through life, there's a comfort you can take from knowing that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, there is no temptation that is befallen you. That is not befallen other people. There is There are no new temptations. Whatever it is that you're going through, someone else has been through it. And I feel like it's a point of comfort. Sometimes you can be going through a whole situation and there's so much going on in your life. But you come to this verse and it gives you comfort. The Bible is reaffirming and reassuring me that there are no new temptation. Every single temptation that is befalling has befallen someone else and someone else has fought through it. 
So that means if they could fight through it and if they could push through it, that means for me it's possible because I too am a human being. So I feel like that's something that we can take comfort in, right? Let's go to the next verse. Let's continue that verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there's the people that are just joining us. Let's just start from the beginning. No temptation has befallen you except that which is common to mankind, right? And we continue. And God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can be. He's saying this temptation, first of all, it's sort of like trying to explain the challenges and the temptations we face in everyday life. And it's sort of trying to give us a way to describe them or to explain them. Saying the first thing is, no temptation has befallen you except that which is common. It has happened to someone before. Is it because, is it maybe you're questioning God? Is it maybe because you're questioning God's timing? It's happened to someone before it's happened. You see, it's not starting with you, it's, it's happened before. So that's the first thing the Bible is telling us, that it's not new. It has happened before, right? The second thing it's telling us is, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can be. My pastor always says, the minute you see that temptation at your door, just not God has already measured you and has already measured you against the heaviness or the hardness of the temptation. And he has already concluded that you are very well capable of handling it. So that's what the second aspect is. The second aspect is God is faithful. And in his faithfulness, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can be. The third thing, but when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can enjoy it. So like we're looking at the life of John the Baptist. We're meeting John the Baptist in a very interesting point in his life with the very men that he spoke so publicly about, the very men that, you know, he spoke so highly about the very man that he, he, he tried to validate to the people. This is the Messiah. The very man he tried to let people understand who he was. Now it's he is his turn. He's now in a position where he's doubting and he's sending people to Jesus to ask Jesus, are you the one or there's someone else who's coming? The same man that he knew who Jesus was. But in this particular moment, he's in prison and things are not making sense. And he gets to a place where he's questioning it. And we're telling it with that verse in the book of 1 Corinthians verse 10 to the people that are just joining us. That John was facing this temptation. And as much as he was facing it, it wasn't new. It had faced, someone else had faced it at that time. And even today we face it. We go through challenges that sort of like try to make us doubt God. But the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10 is reaffirming us that one, no, tempt no temptation that befalls you is new. Two, as long as you see that temptation come to your doorstep, God has already measured your capability and has already validated you and has already is basically telling you that you're able to beat this. And the third thing is in every single temptation and in every single test that God sends your way, he will provide a way out so you can enjoy it. The question is, are you able to see the way out? We're looking at John the Baptist in this particular point, right? He's in a place of temptation. He's in a place of trying to make sense of things. And the Bible has already reaffirmed us that in that position, God makes sure that there is a way out. So I'm going to read what I wrote here. He says, God is reassuring us that there is a window, there's a way out of every situation. And this is your role as a human being to inquire the mind of God. So we find John at a low point in his life where he's now questioning the same man he spoke so highly of. And it's very easy to laugh at John the Baptist and say, that's one thing I've noticed sometimes that when we read the word and when we sort of try to make sense of things, it's very easy for us to laugh at people in the Bible. It's very easy for us to judge them. It's very easy to look at maybe Zachariah, right? And say, 
How can he say this thing? How can he doubt what Angel Gabriel is saying? It's very easy for us to laugh at John the Baptist. How can a person who knew who Jesus was, a person who was there when Jesus got baptized, a person who saw the dove, a person who saw this, now he's at this point and he's still, he's now, he, he now has questions about who Jesus is. How can that happen? And it's very easy to judge them. But the funny thing is that camera can easily turn back on you. How many times have you been in a place where you've sort of spoken highly about God to your friends, to the people around you, to your family, only to get to a position or a situation where you are literally in shock with the things that are going on in your life? Where even you, you can't make sense of them. Or even if you try to explain, explain them to someone else, they don't make sense, right? And that's basically where we're finding John the Baptist right now. It's a place where you have been. It's a place where I have been. It's a place where we will be even in the future. It's a place where I will be even in the future. At some point in time, that test will come in life. That will question and that will challenge the knowledge you have of God. You have to know that uh, I love the parable of the sower. The parable of the sower, there's a part that talks about the seed that was sowed, right? And then he says, when trials and tribulations came on account of the word. So that every word you receive, whether it's a word in church, whether it's the word you read, whether it's the word you heard from a sermon you watched on YouTube, Every word you heard, there will come something to test that word. Because it's like the people that were, the other people that were referred to in the parable of the soul, the people that are referred to as the people that received the word with joy, but when trials and tribulations came on account of the word, they, they, they fell away. Why? Because there was no root in them. And likewise, everything that you've heard about God, about what, about whether you've read the Bible, whether you as long as it has been sowed as a seed in your heart, you have to understand that trials and tribulations and some form of test will come to test your resolution. It will come to test the strength or the tenacity or the, what's the word I can use? <laughs> the extent to which you've understood the word. Your understanding of the word will always be tested. It has to be tested and it has to be proved. Right? And that's what you always have to understand, right? So I'm saying, don't laugh at John because how many times have you been in a similar situation? Or sometimes you felt like God was taking your direction, a certain direction, and then all of a sudden things just go left and you are confused. You thought you were at a certain level and you thought things were going, thought everything was going fine. But then now you see things are going in an entirely different direction. Right? And what I love about verse 2 is, it's a very fascinating verse. Like when you're doing a study on it and you're reading what, you know, different Bible scholars were saying. Because they have different explanations to this particular verse. The verse where John the Baptist sends his disciples to ask Jesus, are you the one or is there another one we're waiting for? Right? There are different explanations. So I'm going to share with you guys some of the explanations that I found about, you know, this particular situation. What different people think is the reason why John was sending his disciples to ask if Jesus was really the Messiah or there was someone else they were supposed to wait for. So you can let me know in the comments if, I don't know which one is more receptive to you, which one makes sense to you, right? Which one do you sort of resonate with? What's the thing that you hear and you're like, ah, this makes sense to me, okay. The first one is the one that we've just spoken about, that John was in was at such a low point in his life that it made him question every single thing that he believed it made him question the identity of Jesus. It made him question what he had believed. It made him question what he had said. It made him question what he had confessed. That's the first explanation. That's the first. That's the explanation I believe. That's the explanation I, I, I resonate with and it makes sense to me. 
that he was at such a low point in his life that it made him question every single thing that he had said or everything was every single thing that he had validated, right? Okay. The second one is John was speaking from the spirit of Elijah. If you remember when we started the study of the of John the Baptist, we started from the book of Malachi, where basically there was chaos and God was not getting along with the children of Israel. And he sent the prophet Malachi to tell them that I'm going to send someone. I'm going to send that person. That person is going to come in the spirit of Elijah, right? Basically, he's going to come as a, uh, he's going to come in the spirit of Elijah, but he'll come as a different person. But he'll come in the spirit of Elijah, and Jesus validated that in the Gospels, and he says, "Yes, the person you saw, John, is the person that came in the spirit of Elijah." He validated the verse in Malachi. So this is the second explanation, right? This explanation was basically saying that at this particular point, John was a person. Who was he was John, John the human being, John the person, but he also came in the spirit of another man. So, so it was more like a double or a split personality type thing. That at some points, John the Baptist, the man, would speak. At some points, the spirit of Elijah in John the Baptist would speak. So I don't know how you guys make sense of that, but let me know, right? The third one was he was asking on behalf of his disciples. Right? That's the third explanation. This is based off of the fact that. People are insisting, the people who run with this particular narrative are insisting that John already knew who Jesus was. So why would he then send people to question Jesus' identity? So it's more of like based on the idea that he knew, but maybe his followers were sad on his behalf. How can this person who validated Jesus' ministry, who did this, who did that, and who basically pointed people to Jesus, after doing all that, how can he now be in prison? And, you know, maybe Jesus isn't actively doing anything to get him out. So it was for them. That's what this particular explanation is trying to get it. That it was for them, for John to send them to Jesus. So Jesus could convince them that he was the Messiah. So I don't know which one are you guys going with. Which one makes more sense to you, right? So I'm, I'm going to stick to the first one because the first one makes more sense to me. And I sort of understand it, right? And what I love about the first one, about being at a low point in your life, it also brings us back to the point that it's very important to keep track or to keep record of the battles that God has won for you. In as much as John was able to question because he was at a low point, you and I are able to question sometimes, will God come through for me this time? The situation seems bleak. I don't feel like God can come through for me, Right. It's important to be a person who keeps record or who keeps track of the things that I've done. I have a friend who literally keeps track of everything. Her prayer points, the things she's praying about, the things she wants God to do. And I always, you know, I, I always I was always fascinated by it because I'm not a person who keeps much record. But it it it, it fascinated me. And it's something that I found very interesting. Because in situations like the one John is, when you find yourself in a situation like that. It's easy to go back to those things that you've written, the battles that God has won for you before. It's easy to go back and remember, at that point in time, I was in a similar situation that seemed impossible, but God showed up for me. And you can go back and you can read that and it can sort of encourage you and it can strengthen your faith in a way. Keep a record of the battles that God has won for you. A good example of this would be in 1 Samuel chapter 21, where David is escaping from, from Saul right? And he gets to the peace, I think it's Ahimelech, 
and he's basically asking for bread he's like ah can you give me bread for me and my men and he's like why why, why are you by yourself where are the men and all of that and all of that and because he had run away and he was basically escaping he didn't have a sword so he goes to the priest and he's like can i please have a sword do you guys have a sword here and you know what the priest said the priest said the sword that's here is the sword that you used is the sword that you took from Goliath after killing him. That's the only sword that's there. So Bible scholars believe that at some point after David killed Goliath, right? He took, if you remember very well, he took the sword of Goliath. And he went and he took it and, and he took it to the house of God. As a memorial or as something, I don't remember the exact reason. And that same sword that he went and he put in the house of God as a memorial or as something, he was able to come back at a time where he didn't even, I'm sure when he put it there, he didn't even, he didn't even know that, he didn't even know that at some point in time, he might need that. But then he comes back to that place and they tell him that that's the sword that's there, the sword of the Philistine that you killed. That's the sword that, that's the sword that we have here. And he's like, no, give me, there's none like it. Give me that one. And then they, they, they give it to that, they give it to him. And what I want us to take from that story is it, it's pointing us back to the importance of keeping a record of the battles that God has fought for you. Be it in your diary, be it in your notebook, be it in your what, keep a record of those things. Because David, because of seeing that, he was able to go back and he was able to see that sword and be like, this is the sword that I got. And, and it reminded him of the victory that God had given him prior. You see, imagine if he had not put it there and now he was going to come back and there was, there was going to be no sword for him to get from that place. So likewise, the battles that God has won for us, let's use them. They're not just battles for, for, for fun. They're battles for display. They're battles for, that we can use at a point where you're weak in faith, at a point where you have so many questions, at a point where you feel like God cannot pull through for you. And you go and you read the, those things and you go through them again. And you see that if God could do it for me then, then how is now any different? It's very possible and God can still do it for me again, right? And I love Jesus' response in Matthew 11 after the disciples of John the Baptist come and they are basically telling him that John has sent us to ask you that, are you the one? Or is there someone else you're supposed to expect? Is someone else coming or are you the guy, right? And Jesus didn't respond by saying, yes, I'm the Messiah. Yes, look at this, look at that. He basically just pointed them to his works. He's like, go and tell him that, tell, go and tell him the things that you are seeing here. What are you seeing? The blind eyes are being opened. This is being done. This is being done. Go and tell him that, right? I'm going to read what I wrote here. I love how Jesus could have easily been offended. Oh, that part. He could have easily been offended that the very person who at one point was one of the people that validated his ministry was now getting to a place where he was showing doubt. But instead, he responded by pointing the disciples to the works that he was doing as a validation of who he was. It brings us back to that verse again that talks about, by their fruits you shall know them. He doesn't say, no, me, I'm the Messiah with his mouth. He's like, no, look at the things that, that, that you're saying here. Look at the things that I'm doing. Let that be the testimony of who I am to you, the things that you are seeing with your own eyes, right? And he sent them as witnesses to the same person who had witnessed to them. I love this particular verse or this particular contrast because it helps us see it from a different perspective. John the Baptist spent his whole life pointing people to Christ, pointing his disciples, pointing everyone he could to Christ. In this particular moment, the people that he pointed to Christ 
Now they had to point him back to Christ and say, no, that, that guy, he is. That's what he told us. We went and we saw the miracles. And what I want us to take from this particular verse or this particular aspect is at some point in life, it's important to strengthen your strong friends. Everyone in life, we have our strong friends. We have our strong friends, those friends that are literally indestructible. You know, the ones who always come through with the advice, the, one who, the ones who always come through with the prayers. And sometimes it's important to understand that even your strong friends, even your strong family members, even your strong what was, they too are going to have moments of doubt. They too are going to have moments of questioning in their own realm of faith or in their own way or in their own world. They're going to have points where they doubt God. Be that friend that comes to reignite the fire. Especially if you know that this is a person who constantly draws me back to God at a time where I have questions, at a time where I'm trying to make sense of things. When it's their turn and they're in that place where they're trying to make sense of things, where they're trying to, where they're in, in the place of doubt, be a person that now turns the same way these disciples were sent by Jesus to go back to that same man, the same man who was pointing to me, and go and give a testimony to him of the things that you are seeing. Be a person who encourages even the strong friends, even the strong friends and the strong people in your life. I love how this reminds me of the verse in Luke 22, 31, where Jesus is telling Simon Peter and he's saying, the devil has decided to sift you. But when, he said, but I have prayed for you that your strength will not fail. And he says, when you are strengthened, turn back and remember and strengthen your brothers. Right? It's in the book of Luke 22, 31. The devil has desired to sift you. Simon Peter was a very active disciple. He was always asking questions. If you read the Gospels, you see that he, he was always the first responder. Jesus was asking for something. He was there. He was asking questions. He was trying to make sense. He was being he was being defensive. He was trying to defend. He was doing so many things. But at a, a particular point in time, Jesus tells us that it's going to come a time the devil has requested to sift you like wheat. And when you are strengthened you have to turn back and you have to strengthen your brothers so that's the last part i want us to take from luke 22 31 which is bringing us from matthew 11 verse 2 that it's important to strengthen even your strong friends when they're at a point where they have their own doubts where they're trying to make sense of things the same way john the baptist was trying to make sense of things at this particular point in his life but jesus sent those people he witnessed to back to him to strengthen him Amen. So now we can we can close it today on this part. Next week we continue from verse six. I think we'll finish next week. <laughs> I think we'll finish after two weeks. Next week and the week after that, then we'll be done. Thank you to everyone for joining. Just a few comments. Adversity introduces doubt. Yes. Testimonies. Testimonies ignite your faith. It's true. Yes. So thank you to everyone for joining today. If you're watching this podcast and you've not given your life to Christ, I would love to lead you in prayer. Sorry for the delay today, guys. There's just too much going on. The lighting situation was just a mess. But thank you for your patience and thank you for staying tuned in. So if you've not given your life to Christ, I would love to lead you in that prayer. You can just put your right hand on your heart and say, Lord Jesus, I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth. I believe that you are the Lord. And I believe that you died and you were raised on the third day. I confess with my mother that you are the Lord over my life. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. From this day, come into my heart. Lead me, guide me, teach me, help me. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my heart. In Jesus' mighty name. 
Father, thank you so much for the session that you've given us. As we are going through the rest of this week, we pray that you help us not only to strengthen our strong friends, but also help us to be witnesses to Christ and to be witnesses to our friends and to our families and to all the people in our lives. Holy Spirit, remind us of these verses or everything that we've learned here when we get to points where life is difficult, when we get to points where life is not making sense. Strengthen us and remind us and always point us back to the word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you everyone for joining. See you next week. Next week is off of verse 6. So I think after we're done with the study of John the Baptist, we're going to have a discussion where people can just come on live and join in and say something that they took from the sessions, particularly the study of the life of John the Baptist. Anything that you've taken from there that you, I don't know, that resonated with you, it will be great. So see you next week, same time, same place. Bye. Healing is made of healing. Gotcha. 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 Gotcha.